Your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is Locked on Coyotes, a special crossover episode of Locked on Coyotes and Locked on Blues as we get ready for the regular season to come. Arizona Coyotes going to be playing, um, well, their first game is in a couple weeks from now, but first time we're now in the Central Division. So we're continuing our Central Division crossover series. This is our uh, sixth time go about it, so we're almost done here. Thomas Walsh of Lockdown Blues joining us on this crossover episode. Thomas, how are you doing? Uh, not too shabby. This is my second week of my full-time job, of my, well, my first full-time job uh, was this week. So a little chaotic, but other than that, I'm just happy that hockey's right around the corner and we get to talk about it uh, with you lovely people. And let me formally uh, welcome you guys to the Central Division as the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, St. Louis Blues have been here a long time, so if you need, have any questions, concerns, uh, want to learn how to lose 50 years in a row before winning a Stanley Cup, we're your team. So, I mean, we're pretty close to that. <laughs> I mean, maybe not uh, 50 years yet. We still have a, a couple of... We just of, passed 25, uh, Carl. Yeah, we got a couple of decades to beat that record. Yeah, uh, I hope you, for your sake, I hope you don't make it there. <laughs> How many arena controversies have you had? Because I'm sure we're lapping everyone in the division on that. Okay. Yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> those never get – those just keep coming, I think, what, at least once a year? At least, yeah. Shared trauma is really what brings together sports franchises and fandoms. It's just like, yeah, life is terrible 99% of the time that you're a fan. But, you know – there's that remaining 1% where things go good and you win the Stanley Cup after 50 years. Oh, I got to love it. Got to love it. How we're going to format today's episode, though, is we're going to go ahead and you know start off with some questions for the St. Louis Blues. We're going to ask Thomas some questions about how we expect what we expect from the Blues, and then we'll go flip things around. We'll allow him to ask us some questions about the, uh, about the Arizona Coyotes, and then we'll just have a general central division conversation because again coyotes first time in the central division coming up this year so got some new opponents but i guess the way way to get things started is uh the coyotes and blues have already got themselves pretty well acquainted after last year uh, i mean especially i mean thomas you i was talking with you and josh uh we did a crossover after that seven game series or like right before the game seven or whatever it was like so we know each other pretty well by now <laughs> Yeah, I think you guys took that series five games to two or something like that. I just know uh, the Blues were getting manhandled at that point in the season. Uh, and so obviously playing the same opponent seven times in a row is always going to bring some kind of uh, aspect of playoff capacity because it's a seven-game series. Uh, but it's in the middle of the season, so it's a little bit different. But like you said, seeing you guys so often and now you're coming to the Central Division, it's like, you guys were kind of a thorn in our side, especially like obviously we eventually ended up making the playoffs, but for what four games to get swept by Colorado. So 
at what point are you really like, you know, what is it really worth it? You know, to just go all the way and like, oh, we made it in by the skin of our teeth uh, in a division that wasn't very good compared to other divisions and went up against a powerhouse that was expected to win the Stanley Cup. So at the end of the day, like I said, it was it was kind of up and down season for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, I'm hoping it'll be better this season. We got Brandon Saad and Paul Bushnevich. Uh, Paul Pavel Bushnevich uh, on the team. So I think that's going to add a lot more uh, identity to the St. Louis Blues and bring them back to 2019 a little bit more than last year's team did. I like Mike Hoffman a lot as a hockey player. I think he's a great goal scorer, but he just doesn't really fit the identity of the Blues. So uh, I'm hoping they'll turn it around. So do you think it was like a, a good offseason that you guys had? Or is there moves that you would have liked to have seen him done? How are you feeling going into this year? Uh, feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. I would have liked to see the Blues go after a defenseman, I think. Um, but solidifying Colton Pareko uh, at the deal that they did with his contract in an offseason where we saw Darnell Nurse get like nine and a half, nine mil, uh, I think was huge for the Blues. They also have Scott Prunovich, uh, who is playing, as we speak, actually, uh, in the prospect training camp kind of thing. A lot of people are very high on him. He's a defenseman, obviously, so he could kind of slot himself into that position. Um, but Josh and I talked about it on our podcast all offseason long. One, like the biggest problem for the St. Louis Blues, and I know there people have a lot of different opinions about Jordan Bennington, like a lot of different opinions about Jordan Bennington. Um, and I'm not going to be here to like change your mind about him or anything, like especially personal stuff, like just kind of different. But as a goalie, I think he's talented and I think, He's a lot closer to uh, the player we saw in 2019 that led a team on a Stanley Cup run. Uh, in the years after that Stanley Cup run, he hasn't looked good, but I don't think it's his fault. I think he's being hung out to dry by his defense. Um, and so that's something that Josh and I talked about this whole offseason was how are we going to get guys to clear the crease and not have like little tap-in, uh, wide-open, one-on-one goals where the defense just breaks down uh, or a little – backdoor tap into where Jordan Bennington just has absolutely no chance. Um, and so that's why I think for me, I would have liked to see Doug Armstrong prioritize getting a defenseman a little bit more, but if Scott Perunovich can step in and be uh, and fulfill his expectations, because like watching that guy skate on the ice and the way that uh, he commands the ice is, I'm not going to say he's Kale McCarr or the next Kale McCarr, but it's similar in that aspect to his skating ability. So uh, high expectations there, high hopes with Jake Neighbors, high hopes for the new acquisitions, and it's kind of high hopes all around as a St. Louis Blues fan. But like I said, 50 years of waiting for a Stanley Cup, you're always going to be high hopes. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about Bennington because you mentioned him when, when you mentioned him because uh, there were a lot of people who I talked to, eh, just general hockey fans here, you know, around the state who were like, we were questioning, did the Blues buy into him too early, getting rid of Allen and just saying, oh, Bennington's our guy. Uh, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I, you know, get that, get those full thoughts on that because, I mean, that could have gone any way. Yeah, it really could have. And I think, uh, especially with the tandem situation, I think really helped both of them when you've got Jordan Bennington coming in, who, uh, like I said, Stanley Cup resume, but then Jake Allen, who, I think he's kind of proven himself, especially in his role in Montreal, that he is the best backup goalie in the league, in my personal opinion. Um, so uh, moving him out and like that cap space 
a lot of people talked about that contract and he was making like five mil, I think. So it, it was good cap space to kind of move him out. And I think he needed to change his scenery because a lot of blues fans were just uh, giving the business to Jake Allen when he was the starter here. And I don't think that was very good for his mental. So getting a change of scenery to go to Montreal, I think was best for him. Uh, and I, I think the blues um, putting all their eggs in their, in one basket and Jordan Bennington uh, makes sense from cap purposes. And like I said, I still think he's the real deal. If you put a solid defensive group in front of him, uh, you don't hang him out to dry, especially in the middle. Like it's, it was literally like the goals that were like wide open and broke down to where Jordan Bennington had no chance on last year were like as close as you could possibly get to like the front of the net. And a guy's just standing there all alone and they, he gets a wide open pass and just turns around and just taps it in or like, Little stuff like that. So like it's not he it's not that he was getting beat on like glove side or beat on like wristers or like five hole or anything like that. It's just there was guys being left wide open in front of the crease because we have a lot of offensive defensemen and undersized defensemen, but I think a lot of the bigger bodies. And Colton Pareko was hurt too for a little bit, so that didn't help. And then when he came back, his back was still sore for a little bit. Um, and he's obviously one of the biggest defensemen on our team and one of the best. So um Tory Krug, love the guy. Great offensive talent. He's like all of 5'9". He's not going to be pushing guys around in the crease. Um, Vince Dunn was kind of the same way. Scott Perunovich is kind of the same way. So that could still be a problem. Um, but I think that was the main issue for the Blues was clearing that crease. So I think if they can solidify that and figure that out this season, which it sounds like uh, – that was one of their focal points in practice and training camp was figuring out how to get guys out of that area. Uh, they'll be fine moving forward. And Jordan Bennington will return to form. That's good. I know um, that's been a pretty common complaint that the Coyotes fan base has had. They get pushed around too much. They're not able to really clear the crease. Um, they weren't able to solve those issues. Uh, they just decided to blow up the team. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that, actually. I was like, do you guys think the team is blown up? Because I think the team is blown up. And it's like, yeah, it's yeah. pretty obvious that like they were just kind of blowing the team is up. But... Blown up bigger than I could have imagined. Um, yeah. But that's good that it sounds like you guys may have, have solved that issue. We can look back in a couple of years and steal whatever strategy if it worked. All right, now it's going to take a quick break from this conversation. Hope you guys enjoyed this wonderful crossover episode, Locked On Coyotes and Locked On St. Louis Blues, as we discuss the upcoming season. Arizona Coyotes once again in the Central Division, so we're meeting all our Central Division rivals. We're going to talk more in this conversation. We're going to um, you know, flip the script. We're going to have questions go the other way coming up in just a sec. But first, we're going to take a quick word from our sponsors. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more jungle, juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. Mm-hmm. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. 
That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. And hey, Coyotes fans, this is Robin with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or the Google Play right now. Use the promo code HOCKEY and get a bonus 25 cent per gallon on your first fill up. So that's up to 50 cents get cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and once again, use the promo code HOCKEY and get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Once again, just download that free GetUpside app and use the promo code Hockey for to get up to fifty cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's use the promo code hockey. Yes, okay. So going off of that, I actually have a question for you guys. So obviously I don't know like what the general consensus is for Jacob Chikrin, but I think he's one of like the premier talents and when it comes to defensemen uh in the NHL. And I think he he led all defensemen in goals last year, didn't he? Yeah, Something like that, just ridiculous. So if you're blowing up the team, is that a guy who you want to build around and be like the future of your franchise? Or uh, do you add him to the blowing up and be like, we could get an absolute haul for this guy if we get rid of him in his prime uh, and just start from scratch and then just let kind of like a draft uh, young prospects and guys come in and like build a new core that kind of grows up together. Which do you guys think would be the best move? Well, the way I'm looking at it is, you know, Draco Trickin's only 23. He's still super young. Uh, yeah. He's got a great contract. And when when July hit, when the Coyotes decided that they yeah, they were going to blow this entire thing up, they were just a lot. There was a lot of discussion on which players were going to be on the block, and it came to the decision that absolutely everyone except Draco Trickin. He was the only untouchable. So that gives you the reason to tell us that. He is going to be the that on the the face of the franchise the, for you know at least going through this rebuild and the for, for at least the foreseeable future from going through that. Yeah, he's got um, four more years left on the contract, um, which has a cap hit of four point six million. Like, there's no reason to trade him now. Like, you would get a haul, but you know by the time he's negotiating that next contract, the team is hopefully looking better. Uh, like if we're, you know, 26 year old Jacob Chikrin and the team is still terrible, like he'll probably get traded then. Cause there's a whole other issue that's going on. But for now he's on a good enough deal. He's young enough. Um, he is the only untouchable on this roster. Anyone else could go, um, for at least a second round pick seems to be, uh, <laughs> the, the GM strategy. <laughs> if you got a second, then you can get a coyotes player. I'm yeah. still baffled that Bill Armstrong was able to do that. Yes. I am baffled at almost everything Bill Armstrong was able to do. Like, I honestly didn't think there was a market for Darcy Kemper to be as good as what he got. That was uh, pretty impressive. I think first and Connor Timmons. I like. was pretty high on Darcy Kemper, too. And I think that, that uh, goalie market was dwindling fast, too. Yeah. To be fair. It could have been like just 
perfect timing. Um, and Colorado was just super desperate. And you get someone when they're desperate, you can get anything. But a first for a goalie and a prospect, I've never heard of that. Uh, that's, that's pretty just solid. crazy. Yeah. Seems like Armstrongs in general just have a good time with uh, swindling people out of trades, huh? I mean, it must be. Like, <laughs> just pick up the phone and Armstrong, you're like, ah. Oh. Yeah, well, well no, go Armstrong, but I learned from Doug Armstrong. Armstrong. I, he probably did, yeah. Um, I mean, they were together yeah, for a while. <laughs> yeah, dude. I When we lost Bill Armstrong as, like, the head of scouting and stuff, I was like, I don't know how this is going to go because that was one of the things that helped the Blues so much. And I feel like why the Blues didn't really have to tank for so long was because uh, even – in years when they would make the playoffs and have a low first round draft pick or not even have like a first round draft pick uh, and their first pick would be their second pick, their second round pick, Bill Armstrong would just always find gems, whether it was Vince Dunn in the second round, Scott Perunovich in the second round, Jordan Cairo in the second round. Like uh, these guys just, I don't, I don't know how he does it. It's like, he's just got a whole different scouting report than what everyone else is looking at. And he's like, Oh, you take all these guys, but you left this guy on the board, so I'll take him, I guess. And then he turns out to be like an all star or like a friend or like a top six player. It's just insane to me. This was our that first was- draft with Bill Armstrong this um this year. And there were some picks that questioned us. Maybe we'll see some of that down the yeah. down the road. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely an interesting year. The strategy was they tended to draft older players and uh like I know a lot of people I was talking to, it's like is it just because like COVID took out most of the junior leagues for a season or, or what happened with that? But uh, it could be, it could be just that, that they had like more scouting on them. I don't know. Cause the whole thing with the scouting for this draft seemed really weird. It, it like everyone's uh, like first round picks, it, it, they could have gone anywhere from like one to 30. So it was just, I don't know. That that was something I don't, I don't think I've ever witnessed with a draft before. I mean, the, we saw I think what we saw we saw uh, a goaltender like like what was it like Wallstead go from like he was projected like thirteen or fourteen and he went to like twenty something. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, at at one point, what uh, Akurati was like supposed to be like second overall ended up going yeah. in the second round after only. Um, a year like that was pretty crazy like it was a weird draft we're gonna look back on that one and be like what all was happening and who actually knew what was going on because i'm guessing a lot did not i bet there's gonna be it's gonna be one of those drafts where it's like someone in the second third or like fourth round turns out to be like a hall of famer and everyone's gonna be like what (laughs) were they thinking and be like oh yeah that was a covid draft never mind doesn't count (laughs) Oh man, like someone in the seventh round is going to be a Hall of Famer. They'll be like, huh? What? It'll be like uh, Hashik 2.0. I mean, I'm all for it. Uh, and if it's the Coyotes, it'd be fine. Uh, we we were not getting hits in our first round or any of our rounds for the longest time. And then we've since traded all of our hits. So that's fun. That's true. That's true. You got a St. Louis boy, Clayton Keller. Oh, yeah. Keller. That's my man. Uh, we uh we love to play St. Louis because it's like the only games where he's consistently like amazing. Like everyone yeah, else, he, all, he always lights it up here. I don't know why. I guess I mean, he's from here. I, I yeah, it's the why. hometown. <laughs> if I what ever was that, line that he, what was that line that he was playing? The short leash line. Um, who that? It was uh, him, Garland, Schmall and and Garland. 
Dude, I know, I know from like being around some people that were like around the team and kind of close to it. I the Blues like players hated Garland. Like he was just <laughs> such a like a pain in the ass, and he's just like he's just so good. He'd always score on us and like take the puck from people and like. I, they were not fans, but I mean, watching it from like a fan standpoint, I was like, like I hated him too, but it wasn't because he sucks at hockey. It's because yeah. he, he was just making all our guys look bad. And I was like, God, stop. He was <laughs> really fun to watch. Um, it was definitely a cool thing where like he was getting just so much physical crap throughout the season. You're like, uh, everyone on the ice has to hate that guy. Like just yeah. like you don't like – who was it? Was it McKinnon who threw his helmet at him and hit him in yeah, the face? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. And you yeah. had John Gibson um, body slam him. Oh, yeah, like, I forgot about that too. Like yeah. McKinnon and Gibson are not the players I would expect being like pulling no. that kind of crap. Um, no. Those are like the Garland. calm, cool, and collected kind of. If you can Garland. get in their heads, you're probably winning the game, to be honest. Yeah, and you're scoring goals, so like that's just a – a good pesty player. Um, yeah. Shame he's, uh, well, he's in a different division now. So good for you guys. Uh, yeah. And we don't have to play him as much. I will wait. All right, Coyotes fans, once again, hope you guys are enjoying this episode, crossover episode, Locked On Coyotes, Locked On St. Louis Blues. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more divisional talk and just have a, just a general candid conversation now. Um, with the guys over there from the, from the Blues Podcast. That's coming up in just a sec. But first, let's take another word from our sponsors. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for all for everything football. Uh, head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing to hockey, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait uh, to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. And this episode brought to you by Rock Auto. The ever-increasing number of makes and models is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why under offer pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? While they're waiting for the person behind the counter ordering the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. When you guys got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, save time and money using Rock Auto. So why choose to save to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for 20 years. And again, their price is going to be reliably low for every customer. I go ahead and search Rock Auto, looking on parts for my Mustang. And again, like it, it, go, it goes from even, you know, Anything from my interior, like replacing my door panel, to getting a new air filter. They have it all. 
So I want you guys to go ahead and check it out yourself. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So Okay, so speaking of divisions, I feel like there was a lot of movement around the central this year and I don't really know how to feel about it. like Seth Jones on the Blackhawks I don't know whether I'm happy because like analytics wise he looks terrible or like upset because just from like a name standpoint he's kind of got that uh renown to him but Marc-Andre Fleury on the Blackhawks not a fan of that nope. uh and then I feel like Winnipeg had a pretty good off season too and Dallas made some moves as well so like it's kind of hard to ask you guys because it's like your first year in the division, but just from like an outside standpoint uh, from like years past of watching like the central, how do you think the teams will stack up this year? And like, who do you think has made the best moves in their offense or in the off season uh, to kind of line themselves up for success this year? I I think just overall, this is going to be a a very competitive division. I think that I mean, honestly, I don't think that's saying much because you know, we're coming from a division that's going to be probably the worst division that any of us will ever watch. Like, probably, yeah. The, the Pacific <laughs> Division next year is going to be absolute trash. Um, and Seattle might make a run. Yeah, that's, that's how me- bad it is. Exactly, that is yeah. That's why <laughs> they so had think- a not great expansion draft. I think it's the general yeah. consensus. Can we talk about that too. Like, Carey Price was made available, and they said, "Yeah, we don't want him." Yeah, Carey what? Price. Available for free. Yeah. I don't that's crazy, dude. Like I get Tarasenko because like the shoulder and stuff, but like the best like the best to for some people, the best goalie in the entire NHL, fresh off of like a Stanley Cup appearance. (laughs) And they put him on the block and you're like, Do I want to build my franchise around that guy? Not really. I that I don't know. I, I mean, would have done it in a heartbeat, but I'm also not a GM. So true. Uh, I think like if I was the GM of the Seattle, um, I would look at Carey Price's contract and be like, you know, either he's going to be really good for a while and it'll be worth it, or it's going to be someone else's problem anyways. So I might as well just take it because I mean, it's not like you have a long lifespan as a GM. Might as well just take that shot, especially when the last expansion team built around a solid goaltender. Like that's that's why that's why I would have done it. Because if you're Vegas has said, first GM, had, that's the move. Yeah, and if you if like Vegas has had so much success early, and like was it like the second year or the first year where they made it to the Stanley Cup? That was their first and, year. Yeah, yeah, their first year they make it to the Stanley Cup, and it's like Marc Andre Fleury is a Hall of fame caliber goalie and like Carey Price is a Hall of Fame caliber goalie. So it's like And yeah, and when and when they said Carey Price was gonna go on um was waving his no move clause for the purpose of expansion, I was feeling Mark Andre Fleury vibes right there. I was I like was too, yeah. this is the very, this is the same exact scenario as Mark Andre Fleury. We got, you know, similar caliber goaltenders and we're guess what we're getting Seattle's gonna take them and they don't. I'm like, wow. Yeah, I don't know. That was crazy. I liked the story, though, how, like, they wanted to keep Jake around, so they asked Carrie about it, and he was like, yeah, I want to keep Jake, too. Or I guess I think that's something that, like, I think that was a thing. 
at least. But um, yeah, I don't. I I still don't know if I would have risked that. And I think they were kind of second guessing it too, because that that article came out that said he needed like surgery. And then oddly enough, like as soon as the expansion draft was over, they're like, "Oh no, he's fine." Like the surgery, like we went and checked, he's all good. Like I was like, "Okay, well, you guys were just scared he was going to leave." Yeah, and then threw that out there. I'm pretty sure. One of the most interesting things about the expansion draft, though, in in, in case of goalies, is um, they were supposed to like they were projected to take Aiden Hill away from Arizona. Were they? Yeah. Which uh, the how it did... was the week before? But when they when they put the list out right right before the roster freeze happened. That's when they Arizona made the trade to t- to trade Aiden Hill to San Jose. So like, yeah, no, yeah. we'll get something for him instead of yeah. you taking him for nothing. I for- see. That's that's what I wanted to talk. Like we talked about that a lot on our podcast when we were like, okay, the Blues have been shopping like Vince Dunn for like essentially the whole off season trying to find suitors, and like even before that, I feel like uh, they were trying to find suitors for Vince Dunn. They just couldn't find anybody for whatever reason. I think Doug was asking for a first round pick, which love you, Doug. You're really good at swindling people, but maybe not with Vince Dunn. He was a second round pick anyways. But anyways, it went all the way up to like the expansion draft and they were still trying to find people. They couldn't find anybody. Uh, so they go to the expansion draft, uh, leave Vladimir Tarasenko exposed and leave Vince Dunn exposed. And like the whole time everyone was thinking they're going to take Vince Dunn and so as soon as we got to expansion night and they were like still exposing Vince Dunn, he hadn't been traded yet. I'm like, yeah, he's going to be gone. So we lost Vince Dunn for nothing. He was part of that Stanley Cup team. He was a key member of the team. Like just great skating potential and like stretch passes and stuff. And I don't know. I always hate when you lose like a player like that for nothing. So I'm I'm glad for you guys that you didn't have to go through that because it sucks. <laughs> yeah. We lost Tyler Pitlick. Um, who was immediately flipped to Calgary, if I recall yeah. correctly, which that just felt weird. It was like, what, you take our guy and he's not even good enough? <laughs> you you took someone for trade fodder. And then you start thinking, <laughs> you're like, okay, so they must have thought Pitlick had the best trade value on the team. What does that say about everyone else? And, yeah. and then uh, uh, it was just, it was crazy because um, the Garland uh, OEL trade happened. You're like, nope, nope we're rebuilding. Uh, it's all going to be burned into the ground soon. And it was. Um, so how, how did you guys feel about the OEL trade? Because like, that was a massive contract, but you'd also like, been a part of the team. I guess maybe it's how I felt about Jaden Schwartz going to Seattle. Because it's like he's been a part of the team for so long and like – He's been there for so many years and like contributed so much, but also like he's he's getting up there in age, making a lot of money. And in Jaden Schwartz's case, he wanted to be closer uh, to his family after it, his dad died last season. Which like, how can you not support that? You know. Yeah, so like, yeah. what were you guys? What were you guys' views about the the OEL trade? OEL was on a decline. Uh, he was nowhere near as talented as the money he was getting paid. By the nice. time, so it was. We we're just like in my mind. I'm just like, okay, like, I, I trading him is important. We kind and like he kind of even talked to the team even the pre- previous year about getting traded, saying, all right, these are the teams I'd, I'd rather get traded to. Obviously, if it didn't happen. So when it came into this year, I'm just like, all right, now that we know they're committed to it, there's something that's going to happen. But 
I don't think any team is going to, you know, just take his contract. Yeah. There's going to be something to sweeten the deal in there. That, of course, something happened to have been the best player on the team in Connor Garland. <laughs> but the return ended up, I think, being, you know, Dylan Gunther, which I think I'm not sure how fans are going to feel about that. I remember when OEL first started playing. Um, it was during the the Coyotes famed uh, 2011 season when they made the run all the way to the Western Conference Finals. Um, I was a fan at the time. There was a lot of talk about the kid coming up from San Antonio, I believe was their AHL organization at the time. Um, like he was one of my favorite players with the team. I really felt frustrated because he did not seem to have a good relationship with Tockett from the very start. And I really wanted to see what the team in OEL could do under a different head coach. Um, but that just, at a certain point, just wasn't feasible. I think ownership was like, no, get him out. I like the return they got for him. Uh, I think it was a good start to the rebuild. Um, hope, he, hope he does really well with Vancouver. Yeah, sounds good. I hope he does good with Vancouver too, but yeah, I don't it, know. There's a, there's a, yeah, he's definitely so on the right. decline, but it would be nice to see a lot of like the hate that he was getting, like just turned around on people because it was definitely like a, he was the underrated player in Arizona that you had never seen. And then he became the overrated player in Arizona that you had never seen. Um, and that was just kind of the outside media impression I always got of him. Like no one was ever really like, Oh, he's good, and we're going to appreciate him for how good he is at the moment. It was it never. I think, before. especially once they named him captain, too, because then then more light became onto him, and then everyone was watching him, and it was like, oh, so he's captain, so he's supposed to be one of their better players. And like, oh, he's. It's, and especially after a year where like he was supposed to be captain, but uh, Taka came in and was like, no, we're going to have rotating captains for the first season for reasons like i still don't know why i did that it was such a weird call yeah i guess it's like uh, for me now maybe it's not the same scenario but i feel like it's a similar scenario with like tarasenko because he came up the ranks in the blues since like his rookie season like he was just a baby and now he's like uh he turned into a powerhouse and then like the injuries hit and like the whole thing with the team doctors and like requesting a trade like there's been a lot of people for the last couple of years that have been uh, not or there. There's been a lot of people that have been supportive of Tarasenko and a lot of people that have said like, he needs to get out of here. And I think a lot of it is due to uh, like, it, it just seemed like at times like uh, his effort wasn't there on the ice. And I think in hindsight, which is always 2020, obviously, but in hindsight, uh, if I was playing hockey and I didn't trust the team doctors to take care of me, yeah. I probably wouldn't be giving 100% effort either. So it's like, there's just like so much drama going around it all. And like the fact that he's still coming back to the team and playing with them this year, they're like, he's not going to be a distraction. Like you got nothing to worry about. He's strictly business. And I'm like, that's great. Like, I don't think he's going to go out there and like blow up on teammates or like storm out of team meetings and stuff. But like at the end of the day, everyone else on the team, has in the back of their mind that like he doesn't want to be there. So I I think obviously Blues fans are always hopeful, but we're also kind of 
we know when to be skeptical too, right? And so for me, that's my biggest uh, thing that I'm going to be skeptical about this season is how Vladimir Tarasenko is going to fit back on this team after the whirlwind of this offseason was uh, and if he can actually contribute, raise his trade value, if he does get traded or if he doesn't get traded, if he stays for the rest of his career. I I really don't know what's going to happen. I thought he was as good as out the door. I didn't think there was any scenario we'd see him back with the Blues this season. Uh, and here we are in October, and he's practicing and playing preseason games. So I, I, I could not tell you what's going to happen, but all I know is uh, I will always be a Vladimir Tarasenko fan and root for him, regardless of what jersey he wears. Um, I just hope I, – I don't know. I just hope there's no drama, and I hope he doesn't hold uh, – like angst towards the team and the fans because of uh the malpractice i guess of the team doctors yeah that's interesting because tarasenko i think you have to compare to jack eichel and the situation he's going through right now in buffalo where like there's a team doctor and there's maybe a difference of opinion on how a player should be like you know handling their health uh it sounds like that may not be as far gone as the Eichel situation because the impression I get of Jack Eichel is he wants out of Buffalo like yesterday, which yeah. as someone who's from Western New York, I could appreciate that. I would not <laughs> go back to Buffalo uh, if you paid me. Just uh, not my city, not my scene. But um, yeah, I was kind of hoping he'd be gone. So the Coyotes would be like in a better situation and not having to play Tarasenko against Tarasenko because he is such a good player and he does seem like he has the potential for a good season. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be it'll be exciting to see whatever the end result is. Uh, and I think, honestly, we talked about on the podcast, he might have more of a reason now uh, to give like 110% effort and uh, to go out there and try and create plays and uh, try and create goals than he did before. If he really does one out of St. Louis as bad as it sounds like he does uh, and really doesn't trust those team doctors, the best way to get out of there ASAP Rocky and fast as possible uh, is to light up the score sheet and have everybody calling Doug's phone uh, begging for him to trade you to their team. So maybe we'll see that. Maybe we won't. But uh, like I said, I'll be his fan no matter what. It wouldn't surprise me if Phil Kessel had a, a big year this year for the same reason. Just, you know, great way to increase your trade uh, trade value. Nah. Yeah, exactly. How old is Phil Kessel now? He's got to be up there. Uh, he's 32, 33, somewhere around that. Wow. Like that yeah. He's, he's wow. a year younger than me, so I think is Phil Kessel age. That sounds about right. Or I don't know why to... I thought he was older than that. We got Tyler Bozak's like 34. 35. I think the, he's the old man on our team. Okay. 34. So he's right around Tyler Bozak's age. He looks so much older. I feel bad. That's kind of rude for saying that. <laughs> um, He's a year older than me. I knew he's like a year within my age range, but mm-hmm. he, he's got like that kind of vibe. Um, I don't know if it's just like his general not caredness like he always looks like a dad and like he does all all those hot dogs that's what it is yeah it's the hot dog diet it's gotta be (laughs) it ages ages you fast that walking five miles to get three hot dogs every morning diet uh Mm -hmm. which i mean yeah 
having to put up if with it's a good if it's a good hot dog place i don't blame you especially I'm... here in arizona home the sonoran hot dog yeah sonoran hot dog it's that uh sounds amazing it's pretty solid uh personally i think it's a bit much but i usually go for like a more simple hot dog but locals love them i'm a i'm a i'm personally a fan of i actually had it uh um this afternoon from the day that we're recording this um if you want to know what it is uh thomas it is a bacon wrapped hot dog topped with grilled onions uh pico de gallo uh mustard mayo and jalapeno salsa in a, oh my in a so in a soft folio bun and served with a side of a grilled griddle chili Okay, I'm gonna be honest with you, Robin. You had me at bacon wrapped, and then you just kept going, and now I'm, I'm, I'm this close to buying a plane ticket to Arizona. I'm not gonna I lie. Already, I already convinced uh, Sarah Abampado and and J D Hernandez to come down here. They were here back in May. We'll tell. Oh, well, you should have told them to swing by and pick me up. Dang. It'll be a it'll be a hot dog trip. That'll be the locked on. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Locked on hot dog trip. Yeah, the locked, locked on, on hot, hot dog series. <laughs> Locked on. There's hot dog reviews across the country. It's like Guy Fieri, but better. You you laugh. Uh, next off season, I'll someone's gonna propose it, and it'll be a thing that it'll everyone gets to content. do for a weekend. We'll talk to the bosses. We'll we'll get it done. Yeah, yeah. We'll pull some strings. See if they can give us <laughs> some credit for the hot manage. dogs. Yeah. Be like, it'll be like, hey, Sean slash Mr. David Locke, would you guys mind funding the trip? Oh, you wanted us to go watch a hockey game? No, we were actually just going to go cross country and eat food. Yes. <laughs> we need daily stipends for the for the hot dog trip. <laughs> It'll be a road trip. Yeah. We're doing research on Phil Kessel. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I We're trying to find different avenues and roundabout ways to talk about stuff since we do it daily. And this is what we came up with. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Don't but, work. Don't work. I, I, it's a foolproof plan. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't fund that. Actually, <laughs> I mean, with all the things that we see get funded on the internet, it's like true. Probably in the upper chance of making money back. Uh, yeah. More so than anything else. Um, that is true. We yeah, could get t-shirts and things. Now my yeah. Now my <laughs> wheels are spinning. We could get. Locked on hot dog t-shirts. Locked on hot dog just branding. It, it, it rolls together really well. We just created a whole new show for Dave. He's gotta get out, he's gotta find someone to be the podcast host for locked on hot dogs now. Good luck. Just every week interview someone be like, tell be me Joey about your Chestnut. local hot dog right now. It better be Joey Chestnut. You know what? Let's bring Kat Silverman. She'll be. I think. I, I, yeah. I, I think she'd love to be the host of that. Yeah. Oh, she always posting about hot dogs. That would be great. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Be amazing. Uh, uh, let's Central Division some more. Yeah. Or? Let's go. Wrap, get get back get back to the Central Division because we kind of went on a long tangent, <laughs> which is fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I was saying though, this is a, a competitive division, and you know, I think. Outside of number one, like the two through five, two through six even can be a toss up. Yeah, I, 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 that's the whole thing with the central for me. And that's why it's been such a pain for these last couple of years is like, there's just so much jostling for position in it. And like, like you said, I think Colorado is just going to be at the top because whatever, they're really good. 
Wow. But I do think they're going to take a step down. Um, even when they had Grubauer, I didn't think Grubauer was that good. I just think the team around him was really good, and he kind of like got to take advantage of that. I, I don't know if Darcy Kemper is a better goalie than Grubauer, but I feel like they're like right there. Like They're both pretty solid, but I don't know if they're capable of carrying a team through the playoffs, but um, with Colorado, they don't really have to. So all you need is someone that can manage the game, and I think either of them would do fine. But I think that's the, if you're going to go off of like weaknesses, it's not going to be Colorado's offense <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, and I don't think it's their defense. So really the only area for teams to exploit is their goaltending. So you're going to have to fire pucks on that. The biggest um, problem with Colorado's goaltending is that they only got Kemper. That The reason why when Arizona's goaltending was phenomenal when they had Kemper is because they had what I call the three-headed monster, which they didn't use right, but they still had. <laughs> it's a thought that counts. They used yeah, it terribly. But, we yeah, had it. it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to be to and a normal way to do it, to be able to switch from Darcy Kemper to anti Ron to Aiden Hill on any given notice, that should have been the most dangerous goaltending trio in the league. But, well, they missed, they, they missed it. Yeah. Yeah, I, will say I, that- I agree. And I think that's why the Blues had so much success with Bennington and Jake Allen is because uh, when one of them struggled, they'd just be like, all right, your turn, go try. And then for whatever reason, he was just hot at the right time. Like, they would always – one of them would be cool and one of them would be hot. And then when they would flip flop, the other one would go off. It was perfect. I do think a potential weakness of Colorado, if they are relying on Kemper a lot is he was maybe a little bit more injury prone than people realized. Ronta got all the attention for that. And it probably played a role in it because Ronta's out. So you're going to overplay Kemper, but Kemper also missed a pretty significant time with injuries throughout like all this time in Arizona. So It'd be interesting to see if Colorado is able to recover that or if it's not even going to be an issue because they have a better team in front of them and they don't overplay them. Yeah, because Arizona relied on Kemper way too much. Yeah, we relied on it like our head coach's job relied on it. (laughs) Exactly. But I think, I don't know, other teams that could make noise. I I don't want to say it, but I'm like, I, I really think Chicago could be at, like near the top of the division, not what, where Colorado's at, but like maybe like third or like around it, there, or they could be at the very bottom again. Like it really just kind of depends on. Yeah, it's interesting that you said that because there are some people who who say Colorado is a playoff caliber team. I've talked to some people in previous crossovers, like, oh yeah, Colorado, uh, I mean, Chicago is like, uh, excuse me, is a playoff caliber team. You know, they since they picked up Seth Jones, they picked up Mark Andre Fleury. They're going to be so much better this year. And then I had another host who was just like, "No, we're still going to be pretty freaking bad." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, everyone's got their opinions on it, and it's actually phenomenal. What about uh, yeah, the I Wild? Think, I think. It, or oh, yeah, the Wild too. Honest, like Kaprizov, dude. Like getting him back makes me. I mean, I was already excited for the Winter Classic game, but getting him back and like. I really I want to go to the Winter Classic game so bad. It'd be so sick. They, just to they, like they see really and feel, just to like see and feel like the history of hockey that like lives in Minnesota, and then watch my team play against them outdoors. Like, oh my god, I would lose my mind. Is that a target, right? What it is? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a target. But cool. I I do think they have a good team too. For whatever reason, uh, the Blues like 
they were second in the division that we were in last year, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I know that they were above the Blues, um, yeah. and it wasn't even close, like, the amount of games that they won compared to ours. But every time we play the Blues, I always give Seth trouble for this because he'll have me on the show and be like, I hate playing you guys because it doesn't matter how bad you're playing that season. You still, like, just have your way with us, and I don't know how. And I, mean, I that's think how it was with us, too. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, they have consistently been just stomping the Coyotes for the past uh, two seasons, sometimes just physically just slamming them to the ground. Uh, that yeah. was also a lot of Connor Garland fun. I think. Yeah. He, and that's how I felt about you guys in that seven-game series. I was like, God, can we just stop playing this team, please? <laughs> exactly. Blame COVID for that one, really, though. Yeah, yeah honestly. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think Minnesota could be good. I think Kaprizov kind of like if he can match the magic that he had last season, uh, they're gonna be fine. If sophomore years that, are hard, yeah, that is true. I mean, because now the, the entire Quinn Hughes league figured knows that out. what to do. Yeah, but they also have that young dude uh, Rossi, I believe. He missed a whole like the whole thing for COVID and was like, I think there's an article that came out that said. Uh, he was like happy every morning he woke up because he realized that he wasn't dead. Like super sad stuff and like uh, super motivational for him to like get back on the ice because he's like, I think their top prospect. Like in turn, like we've got Perunovic and Jake Neighbors and they've got Mark Rossi, um, and they really need some centers. And so if he can come up and kind of provide like an offensive force on their top six, uh, they're gonna be really scary. I'm already scared of them. So. Gotcha. Yeah. So we should probably look forward to losing to them just more this year in like bigger margins. So that'll be fun. <laughs> I remember when I had the conversation though with the with with Seth and you know we're talking. I was I was I, I meant I almost forgot about the buyouts for a second. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. They bought out uh, Suter and Perese, and then a couple weeks later, I go on the um do the crossover with uh with with Dane, the new host of Locked On Stars, I'm like, oh, that's right. You guys signed Suter. Like, what? <laughs> uh, dude, I I'm get so bad with off-season stuff. Like, I forget everyone that moves. Like, it's crazy. Like, the, the first game of the regular season is just me like, oh, they play there now? Okay. Oh, they, <laughs> like, it's just constantly. Unless it's, like, something huge, like, like flurry for, to the Blackhawks, I'm not going to forget. But, like... Even yeah. Seth Jones sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, he's on the Blackhawks now, and he's like a pretty big name. So it's like, I feel like the the players have to get into the swing of thing with like preseason and training camp. I feel like like the fans do too because I literally forget like what team everybody's on. I mean, I was watching oh, a yeah. preseason game just the other night, and um, I saw Martin Jones in a Philadelphia Flyers jersey. I'm like, oh, that's right, <laughs> he's in Philly now. Yeah, uh, it's gonna Who be else weird. did I do that too? Um, oh my God, what is his name? The old goalie for Vancouver. He's on Dallas now. I saw like a graph or it was like a HD photo. Um, and I was like, oh my God, starts with an H. Does it? What's his last name? I don't know why I'm just drawing a blank on it. He was with Vancouver and then he went what? somewhere else. I forget. Uh, Hopi. Yeah. Hopi. Hopi's oh, on right. Dallas now. And I was like, when did that happen? Yeah, I don't know why I couldn't think of Hopi. I forgot Vague I forgot Hopi was in Vancouver. Get I him. know, I know. Yeah, that was oh it was Vancouver. Yeah, it was Caps, Vancouver, and then yeah, I was like he, See, he, I still don't know. 
Here's going to be the major problem. Like, I don't think anyone in America knows what was happening in the Canadian division last year. So there's like a whole bunch of moves that happened for a year and a half. There was just like, oh, oh, that's a thing. Weird. But yeah, I've totally forgot that Hopi was on Vancouver. Crazy. I mean, when I when I was doing the crossover with uh, Harrison for Locked On Jets, I was trying to look through the roster. And I'm like, what's di- like? I'm trying to think what's different. I don't know you guys because I haven't seen you guys in like two years. Yeah, that's a part. That's got to be a part of it too, right? It's like you're normally you're used to seeing like all these different teams, and then like it reminding you what players are on there instead of like. Was it the same seven for an entire season? It's like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know what players are on those teams. <laughs> Even those ones, sometimes I forget. <laughs> you got very good at knowing your division and only the division. Like, anything outside. Exactly. Every everything else you just flushed. Yeah. Like, I don't know how fans of, like, three teams were doing it. They're like, yeah, I'm keeping track of three divisions. You're like, that seems, like, way too much to be keeping track of. Yeah. Three very isolated divisions. Crazy. I can't even imagine, like, I have so much respect for people that can be fans of multiple teams because for me, like, I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack (laughs) in, like, the one game a day, if that, that I watch with the Blues and, like, even, like, on when it's off days, like, I'm, like, just, like, steaming about a loss or, like, freaking out about a win. So if I had to do that three times the rate of what I was doing right now, I don't know if I'd make it. Yeah. Man, Thomas, this, yeah. this is becoming, this is slowly becoming me as I'm becoming, as of now my second year of host here on Coyotes, like I know this team too well. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows, like, I don't keep it a secret. I was born and raised in San Jose. So like the sharks have like, it's still there in my blood. Mm-hmm. So like trying to follow both still. Oh my god. It's like tearing you apart. Yeah. yeah. Plus two teams, they're both very far away from ever winning a Stanley Cup, so you're oh not gonna be god. happy anytime soon. It is torture. Man. It does it, it, it is very painful. I gotta say that. Why are we hockey fans again? It just seems bad. It's <laughs> it's all bad. It is like you said though, it really is like ninety nine percent of the time it's just torture and pain and sorrow. And then that one percent where it's like jubilation and like you actually win the cup and get to celebrate with like the players. Like it just makes it all worth it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was really fun. One of the things to me, like even, in, even in the American hockey league, when the Roadrunners went to the Calder cup playoffs, when it the second round, like I was feeling fun. I wasn't a fan. I, mean, I wasn't a fan at that point. I'm, I mean, I'm still, I'm just covering them for five for howling. And I'm just like enjoying being in that atmosphere. And just no matter what, just like, you just love that feeling. Of just good, <laughs> being good, being yeah, good is always like even, feeling. yeah, and even like on Twitter and stuff when you're like tweeting about the team with like other fans, you kind of like if you keep communicating to like the same fans, you build like a little community and like almost like a friendship with people that you've never even met before. And then when you do go to games and like people like recognize you, be like, oh my god, like I know you from Twitter, and it's like, oh, what's up? Like it's crazy how like. It's just crazy to me how like sports can bring people together, but like I don't know. There's I, there's some people that like don't understand not don't understand sports, but don't understand understand like the appeal to sports. Which like I don't I don't understand the appeal to a lot of things. So I'm not gonna knock you for that. But one of the things that does appeal to me about sports uh, isn't just like uh, 
grown men chasing pucks or baseballs or like whatever it might be, but it is like the community of like bringing people together and not just bringing people together, but like a community of people that are so immensely passionate about the same thing. And they just like immediately become friends or become close because of that. I think that is so cool. And I think that's so hard to find. Like obviously any sport's going to have like negativity and like people that go off the rails, but if you find the right people, like it's so hard to find that kind of like positivity and like, passion in the world today especially with everything going on like I, I just love sports so much and that's one of the main reasons why yeah it is it is absolutely amazing um we are running a little bit long um but i'll let you uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, make this thought where do the blues land at the end of this season in the central division oh jesus at the end of the season i'm gonna say um the fan in me says Second, hopefully, possibly. Um, if Jordan Bennington plays like I know he can, uh, if Scott Perunovich is the prospect that people expect him to be, uh, if Craig Berube is the coach that I think he'll be, that I think he is, and will figure out a way to cover the crease, uh, if this offense continues to be a powerhouse of David Perron, all, all of these ifs, right? If all of those are yes, they'll be a second place team. Um, the locked on blues host in me says you can't say that this team's going to be a second place team when they squeaked into the playoffs last year in a very bad division. Um, so I'm going to hedge my bets here and say that um, I'll say best case scenario, they finish second worst case scenario. They finish fourth, but I I could definitely see some scenarios where they finish lower than fourth. So maybe not worst case scenario, but fourth, but for my own mental mindset, positivity thinking worst case scenario, fourth, how's that sound? <laughs> that seems fair. Yeah. That sounds yeah. about right. I mean, I wouldn't play uh, much lower than fourth in my, any kind of prediction. Yeah. I think fourth is like the safe bet. And then like, I think, on, like they should be the second best team in the league, but I don't know if I trust them to play like that. Not in the league, second best team in the division. Um, but I don't know if I, I don't know if I trust them to play like that. I don't know if I trust them to stay healthy. Um, like I said, there's a lot of ifs there, so I feel like I need some kind of buffer. So that's why. And I mean, let's four, and, four and let's safe. be real too. Like um, they're like they they like again. Even though we said it's it's the competitive division, like they are one of the better teams in that division. Um, like. They're definitely better than Nashville and Dallas and Arizona. Yeah. So, and let's also be real that the Central Division is going to be a five playoff, five team playoff team. Exactly. I was going like, to say that. Like, the the Central is probably going to get both wild cards. Pacific's not really going to be doing much. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Unless, unless LA for some reason has a decent year, which I think is the only team that might be able to surprise. But they get Eichel. I don't know. That is another big domino. Like, where's Eichel going to go? Because that's kind of a big player to. Who knows? Depends on when he goes. Because, uh, could you imagine if he like holds out for like the full season, gets traded at the deadline, and then gets the surgery? Oh my god. Yeah. Can you imagine if he holds out the whole seat? Yeah, that is true. 
if he holds out the whole season and decides to get traded to like whatever team's doing the best, just so he can be like a part of a team that goes to the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, why not? After spending your entire career in Buffalo, might as well get an easy like, trade oh, to Tampa the playoffs. Base- yeah, he's like, oh, Tampa Bay's first in their division, and Kucherov is coincidentally on the long-term injured reserve again. I'm <laughs> going there. Oh, my uh, God. Oh, the LTIR. Never gets old. <laughs> Anyways, um, I mean, I guess the last prediction would be for us, you know, Nakara and I to say where Coyotes finish, which is um, to us, to anyone I don't think is any surprise where we where we believe they're going to finish in the division, which is uh, dead last. Oh yeah, dead, dead last. last. If they you don't think there's going to be a one a one team buffer anywhere in there, if they uh, the closest team will probably be Nashville, like, Nashville, but they'll probably be like eight points out above from us. I feel like if the Coyotes don't finish dead last, something went wrong at some point in the season. Some kind of collapse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they collapsed a major injury where people are like, oh my God. Or like the or like this team of misfits just somehow surprises everyone because everybody on this team has something to prove. And they're like, the Vegas like what are you guys doing? Yeah. If it's like an if we live in a movie secretly and the underdogs really win. It's just the Mighty Ducks, yeah. <laughs> we just wake up, the Coyotes have won the Stanley Cup, and we're like, crap, <laughs> reality is a simulation. Um, you see, and- like, there's the three forwards are, like, in a V formation one time. You're like, oh, my God, wait a minute. <laughs> there's a new Matrix movie coming I've out. Anything can happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh gotta love it gotta love it but again we're running long so uh we'll we'll get things to closing out uh thomas can you uh let the uh lockdown Coyotes listeners know where we can find you guys yeah so you can listen to us uh daily at locked on blues you can follow us on twitter instagram facebook at locked on blues you can follow me on twitter at t welch er 15 uh, sometimes I write good tweets, sometimes I don't. But either way, you can reply and tell me. So it's a good time. Nice, nice. Absolutely. And that. So then, and, that, and that's it for us. Once again, this is Locked On, uh, a crossover of Locked On Coyotes and Locked On Blues. You can follow Locked On Coyotes at LO underscore Coyotes. Myself, I'm at Robbiano One. Carl Pavlik, where are you? I'm at Carl Pavlik FFH. You can follow all of us and uh, tweet at us, interact with us, send us a question. Maybe we'll answer right back. If we don't, we'll probably save it for a future episode of the podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to this episode. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. Hope you guys are staying healthy. And don't forget to howl on. <laughs>